0: Hello and welcome. My name is Juanita Headley. I am a New York attorney and the founder and CEO of Changing Cases. You are listening to a set of podcasts, a series dealing with the issues of human trafficking, child abuse, and of course, knowing how to respond to the question. Over the following weeks and months, I'm going to take a look at some hard-hitting topics with a view to educate, empower, and inspire you to change the way that you think, act, and respond to better safeguard the children in your world. Stay tuned until the end of this show, where I'll be sharing with you not only how you can get a copy of my new book, but I'll also inform you of some upcoming live Zoom trainings and how you can contact me to have your questions featured in a future episode of this show. So we can talk about it. Talk about it. Yeah, we can talk about, it, yeah. talk about it. Yeah, so we can talk about it. Talk, talk about, about it. About yeah, let's talk about it. About yeah. about it yeah. Let's talk about the Sexual Offence Register. I was recently doing an interview, and the question was asked: What do I think about the Sexual Offenders Register or Registry? And I said that I personally don't believe that it is a good idea. I really appreciated the question. It was the first time I'd ever been asked this. And it gave me food for thought. Now, although I was able to articulate a response immediately, I realized that I'd never been asked this before. And I was disappointed in the fact that in all of my interviews thus far, when I'm speaking on this topic, it tends to be the same questions. And therefore, every interview is quite repetitive. So if you've heard one interview you've heard them all. Now the sexual offense registry or register, that is a big thing in a place like the United States. Now I did some research for a domestic violence project in the Philippines and having read and come to terms with domestic violence and how to get men and boys to stop enacting violence against women and girls, I read about various initiatives around the world. There were mentions of having groups, acting classes, having sessions of discussions with single gender, females and males separately, and then bringing them together, going into a village and getting people who have been previously abused to talk about how they felt, getting individuals who used to be abusers to talk about how they no longer do that. Because in certain societies and cultures, it is deemed appropriate to treat a woman in a certain way. It is deemed that a woman's role and position is in the kitchen, is in the house. Empowering these women to get employment, to get jobs. Empowering the men to take on the responsibility of also being part of the decisions made in the family. Not that he is going to command and demand, but in fact that he will discuss and engage with his wife on things concerning the child's upbringing. In other words, a dialogue, a conversation. As a believer and a Christian, what sadness means often I have seen and heard of individuals who are in relationships, marital relationships with another person. And the person they are married to is unfortunately very controlling, demanding. In the Bible it says that the man is the head, but it does not say the woman is the foot. It also says, which many Christian men seem to know, and even the non-Christian men seem to have this concept, many, but not all. And it says, women submit to your husbands. When it says women, it's referring to the women who are married. Wives would be a more appropriate way for me to phrase that. Wives or women who are married, not common-law marriage, but women who are married. They are married before God, married in the sense of in a church or even a ceremony, a ceremony that may be done in a courthouse, a marriage ceremony. These women who have been married to a man have an instruction to submit to their husband. However, the next part of the scripture that often many men forget about, that actually says very, very clearly, men love your wives as Christ loved the church. One of the challenges that I have seen amongst many but not all many Christian men is that they remember the first part of the scripture but not the second part in the sense of they expect submission from their wife but they are not loving as Christ loved the church now according to the Christian belief when Jesus died he died for our sins and he died a very terrible painful death in other words he gave up his life for us Jesus washed the disciples feet Jesus gave his all He ministered from 30 to 33 and he gave his all. Therefore, when a command has been given to men to love their wives as Christ loved the church, they should be theoretically washing their wives' feet or if we want to go there, their women's undergarments because in certain cultures, men have issue with that. And they should also be loving their wives to the point that they are sacrificial to the point of death. In other words, if a person came, to the house and said, one of you needs to die. The husband should put up his hand and say, I will die. Instead, what may often be the case, if that was to happen, is the man would tell his wife to submit to him and to take her life for the sake of him. And in certain cultures, we have women like in India, in certain parts of India, where these women will throw themselves on the dowry pile. When her husband has died, she will throw herself on the dowry pile and she'll be burnt. There are even instances when a man is caught in adultery and the woman is punished for that. What I often say is that when it comes to the way husbands and wives should be together, we need to look at the fact that according to the Bible, Eve was taken from the rib of Adam. Therefore, in my opinion, Adam and Eve should be walking side by side in unison. They should be walking in unison. Eve was not taken from the foot bottom, not from the spine. So she should not be walking behind him and she should not be treated like a domestic servant. Because in certain cultures, there are men who will marry a woman and treat her like a domestic wife. She is simply there to cook, clean and have sex. Now I say all that because... We have to understand that in certain cultures and communities where men are raised to believe this, when men read the Bible and have a wrong or false perception of marriage, they may sometimes treat their wives in a way that is abusive. And the lockdown has seen an increase in domestic violence. Now, if we bring that back to the whole thing about the sexual offenses register, what I have observed is that when an individual in the United States has been accused of a crime and convicted, or accused of the crime, and the information has come out that this person is alleged to have committed this, there is a concern they have been arrested for the allegations. For example, in other words, information has come out to the general public. One of the things I've observed is that when people know there's a pedophile living on that street, they often shout very abusive aggressive things towards him, at him, throw eggs at his door, throw paint at his door. Now imagine, imagine you have committed a crime, any crime. Now let me be real with you, Anytime time you take something without consent, that is legally theft. Your mum's lipstick, your dad's aftershave, a cookie, a dollar, a pound, a yen, whatever currency. Any time you take something without consent, that is legally theft. Every one of us has therefore most likely committed the crime of theft, especially when we're a child and we do things we should not. We're told not to do this, not to take that, but we disobey. People in prison are simply the ones who got caught. Now imagine if you, let's say you're you're a female and you you took your mum's lipstick and you used it and put it back. You're a male and you took your dad's aftershave, used it and put it back. Let's just imagine that for a moment. Irrespective of the fact that you returned the property, That would legally be theft because you took something without consent. Let's take it to a store. You go to a store, you take an umbrella because it's raining and you put it back an hour later. That doesn't matter. You returned it. Theft has occurred. It's not attempted theft. It's theft because you took the property without purchasing it. You had the intention of taking it without paying and you used it. Now, imagine if you only ever stole on one occasion. Anytime you're at home, you ask for consent. You ask for permission permission. You never took anything without consent apart from that one umbrella. That was 20 years ago. Okay. But everybody who sees you, every time you come into contact with a person, every time you're at home relaxing and watching TV, people shout at your door, thief, thief. How would that make you feel? You are past that. The past is behind you. If you're a believer, you are a new creation in Christ. So you are now redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You are a new person. However, you are constantly being reminded about your infraction, about your criminal offense. You didn't even go to jail. You just got community service. You just got a fine or a slap on the wrist. But there is that constant reminder. How will that make you feel? What if you take comfort? in holding the umbrella you have in your house, okay? You purchased an umbrella, but you take comfort in holding that umbrella. And so therefore, despite all people are saying, that doesn't push you away from the umbrella, it draws you towards it. I say that because think about a pedophile, somebody who has sex with children, watches sex with children, or creates pornography with sex with children. Now that person, that is what they enjoy, that provides them a fix, a kick, whatever word you want to call it. And when you call them pedophile, and you ostracize them outside of the community, what do you think that's going to do to them? If they find comfort in child pornography, you are going to draw them back to the child pornography. Not every pedophile finds comfort in that, but some of them do. So when you call them all those things, they may sit there and say, do you know what? People are calling me a pedophile. I'm not watching child pornography anymore, but nobody believes me. I go to see my probation officer. She or he doesn't believe me. I have abstained from child pornography for the last month. Now, well, what's the point? I might as well just continue to watch it. Nobody sees that I am no longer like that. Nobody sees that the past has been left behind. Therefore he is going to go back into that place of comfort because what's the point of changing? Nobody even believes he's redeemed. Nobody believes he's reformed. Now, I'm not saying every pedophile will be reformed. I believe with the power of Jesus Christ, every person on this earth can be reformed. But I believe that reformation sometimes needs to take place behind prison walls for our safety and the safety of our children. However, what I will say to you, is we need to consider that this person has made a mistake. Imprisoned, fined, community service is not the point. They made a mistake, okay? I'm not agreeing with their behavior. I'm not justifying. I'm just calling it a mistake. That mistake has been acknowledged and they were penalized in whatever way. But why do we continue to be judge and jury by continuing to punish them? Let me go one step further. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a sex offenders register Hear this carefully, there's nothing wrong with having one. However, when that person is treated the way that they are, as though they are the scum of the earth, that is not acceptable. Because there are so many people who commit infractions, so many individuals watching child pornography, judges, lawyers, police, and maybe six years later, it becomes uncovered and they get arrested. But there are so many individuals who are engaging in child abuse or engaging in the viewing of child pornography and they walk amongst us this person got caught that is the only difference therefore when you send your child to your friend's house to a neighbor's house who is a professional they are a deacon at a church they are a pastor not a priest they are a lawyer a doctor a gym instructor a coach a boss of an insurance company when you send your child there for the day or for the weekend you trust that your child is safe do you know why because that person is not on the sexual offenders register when we do not have a register that puts us on high alert in other words we know we have no idea who the sexual off- sexual offenders are and therefore we need to ensure that our children are always protected under every circumstances. And we need to ensure that no matter where our children go, we know that person could be a sex offender. Now, hear me carefully. I'm not trying to instill paranoia. Of course not. I'm a believer. And the Bible says we should not have a spirit of fear, but of power and of a sound mind. So hear what I'm saying very carefully. What I'm explaining here. Is that when there is a register, it builds a false sense of security in us. Because we know on Smith Street, there's a pedophile. Without realizing on Queen Elizabeth Street, there is four pedophiles. When I did a research project in the United States on child pornography, I read about men with 36,000 images. 20,000 images. That broke my heart. You know why? Because those images were created on multiple occasions those images were created over multiple days months weeks and years but it gets worse because those images are not of one child 36,000 images require a certain number of children to be abused for that creation so just watching child pornography it's not okay because a child had to be abused for the creation of that image or imageries understand When a person is watching 36,000 images, they want to see new material. Maybe they have the hots for people of certain ethnic origin, certain skin tone, certain dialect, whatever it is, certain height, certain size, certain weight. Therefore, those 36,000 images are of at least minimum 10 children but we know that's not the reality Thirty-six thousand images is more than 10 children and that's why that project broke my heart but let me go one step further when i was researching i observed from the newspaper articles i was reading that there seems to be a lot of pedophiles in pa in philadelphia there seems to be a lot of pedophiles in for example massachusetts However, when I think about the reality, that may not be the fact. The fact may simply be that is where the police are doing the investigating. That is where the police are doing the crackdown. And let's consider it even more. That is where the reporters are reporting about this issue. In New York, they're not reporting about it. In California, they're not reporting about it. So if I was to live in New York and if I had children of my own, adopted or biological, where would I live? Philadelphia, because at least I know the police are doing something. It is not about hearing the person's name. There was a case I mentioned it in a previous podcast of Khadija in Sierra Leone. People wanted him to be named and shamed. The alleged abuser who raped and murdered her and sodomized her was allegedly her skinny, young-looking uncle. The issue I had with naming and shaming him is because in the world we live in, there's a lot of prejudice and racism, especially towards people who look like me, black and brown. Therefore, when you name and shame this uncle, there will be people who will have a discrimination towards uncles, a discrimination towards black and brown uncles, a discrimination towards black and brown uncles who look young and a discrimination against Sierra Leone young black men. It is not an uncle problem. It is not a black problem. It is not a Sierra Leone problem. So I don't like those kind of articles. I believe in second chances. And I had the opportunity to go into prison and to share my message. And I looked at the inmates and all I saw was human beings. That is what I saw. I choose to look at them through the eyes of Jesus. Now, let's be real. Do I want to be alone in a room with prisoners? Of course not. Because at the end of the day, they could rape, murder me, sodomize me, rob me. They could do whatever they please. I am not naive to that. However, when I went into the prison, I can tell you, I did not have fear. I was comfortable. I was in my elements. At the end of the day, in my Bible, when you're in Rome, be like the Romans. That doesn't mean just say when you're in prison, be like a criminal, It means to say, in my opinion, when you're in Rome, embrace the Roman community and culture without compromising your faith. I share a story quite often when I present about a man in Yemen. This man was married. On his wedding night, his wife died. Now, when people hear that, they get very angry. You know why? Because his wife was six. Now, when people get angry, I am confused, and I'll tell you why. Because in my country, And in your country, there are men of 40 having sex with six-year-olds all the time. It is not their wife. Now hear me carefully. I don't agree with child marriage. I'm just making a point. If I want to see change in laymen, I will eat like them, dress like them, and act like them without compromising my faith in Jesus Christ. And then I will say, marriage is good. Marriage is a beautiful thing. But your wife was six. He was 40. Right. At the end of the day, we want to see change in Yemen. In my opinion, you need to embrace the Yemen culture without compromising your personal beliefs. When you can embrace the culture, change can happen. When I can go into St. Vincent, when I can go into Trinidad, when I can go to the U.S., to India, to the Philippines, Indonesia, and mix with people who do not look or sound like me, but share my message and they be empowered. That is a beautiful thing because I'm coming from the West. But I'm able to change my same message in a way in which it impacts and affects you. When I was in the prison, I was amazed. Why? I was so respected. The responses to my questions were so articulated. The people there were highly educated. They are the ones who got caught. They are behind the prison bars. But there are people who have committed rape, murder, sodomy, and they are outside in their profession, in their business suit. So, like I said, the sexual offences register is okay, but it creates a false sense of, curi- commu- of it creates a false sense of security. It makes us sit back and relax. It makes us sit back in the comfort of the paedophile because they have not been caught, and that is the issue that I have. There's a story of a guy called Joel Davis. Joel Davis was living in the U.S. It may have been New York, if I remember correctly. Now, he was posing in a photograph with a lady from the United Nations holding up a poster that said, End Youth Sexual Violence. He runs an organization doing exactly that, Ending Youth Sexual Violence. However, I read that he was raping a 14-year-old boy in his New York apartment. And how he was talking to an undercover police officer about the sexual activity he wanted to perform on children aged zero. He runs an organization, guys. Think about it. If a person has a day case center, runs a school, is a gym instructor working with kids, you are going to trust them. But some of these pedophiles are so smart and charismatic, they will study, they will go to university to be qualified, to become a gynecologist, to be qualified, to become a primary school teacher, to have access. I'm not trying to put you into a spirit of fear, to put you into an element of paranoia. I'm just trying to get you to understand. We cannot take comfort in the things that we see. The Bible talks about the unseen. I have met so many survivors of abuse and you would have no idea just by looking at them and some of these survivors are in their adult years and still living with the abuser because the abuser is their father. The abuser is their brother. I heard of a story of a young boy. Okay. Now he has a sister and a father. I don't know about any other siblings, but he has a sister and a father. So we know in this story, there's at least three individuals. There is a young boy. His sister and the father, biological father, okay? On one occasion, right, this father is raping and sexually assaulting his daughter. On this particular occasion, because it was not the first time, the son happens upon this. He stumbles upon this sexual abuse. Now imagine, God forbid, that you, brother or sister, stumble upon sexual abuse of a sibling. How would you react? How would you respond? What would you even think? For me, I may be an only child, but if I stumbled upon abuse in my household of of a sibling, of of a family member, I have half-siblings, so of a half-sibling, step-sibling, whatever, of a cousin, I would be shocked and disgusted by that. Now, this boy, I can't tell you what was going through his head. I've never met him, to my knowledge. To my knowledge, I've never met this boy. But I heard that he got involved, his dad said to him, come along and take part. Now that young girl, for all we know, yes, the story may be out there. For all we know, that father and brother still abuse her up to today, because I have met people, young adults living in a household, still being abused. And that is concerning. Some of them have communicated the abuses going on to family members, Some of them have told the mother, the mother is the wife of the pedophile, and the mother did absolutely nothing. And that is an issue. It is not a Caribbean issue. I was on an interview recently, and somebody said it is a Caribbean issue. No, they are wrong. It is a people issue. In the West, there are children being abused, and the stigma that is attached At the end of the day, that white parent, that Indian parent, Chinese parent, wants to sweep it under the carpet, and so therefore they say nothing. They tell that child, maybe what my mother said, put things behind your bedroom door. Maybe they give the child a lock. But at the end of the day, whether it's a lock, whether it's put things behind your bedroom door, that parent has not responded appropriately. And what are they teaching their kids? What are they teaching their kids? They're teaching that daughter or son... That if your child comes to you and says they're sexually abused, you've heard what they've said, you've processed it, but instead of protecting them and removing the abuser, you keep the abuser and continue to have sexual relations with that abuser, therefore that husband believes I can abuse my child and I can have sex with my wife. In other words, I can take my pick as to who I have sex with. Let's call it what it is, because that is what it is. We know it is abuse, but it is sex. And on the back of that, somebody asked me, when a child is abused, is that fornication? And I said, that is a valid question. Now, you may disagree and say, that's not valid. Hello, I believe it's a valid question, because in the church, there are people who believe an abused victim is discarded goods. An abused victim does not have their virginity. Sexual abuse does not have to involve rape. There are many children who survive sexual abuse and they are virgins because they were exposed to pornography because they were watched when they were nude. Not every abuse is contact or touching. Not every abuse includes rape and I believe in the power of Jesus to restore. I know of a person who has never had consensual sex. They have been raped time and time again and I believe in the eyes of Jesus they are a virgin. But there are people in the church who would look at this person and say they were fornicating. No, they weren't. The fornicator was the pedophile. That's adultery right there if they were married. But the child was the victim. And that's what I want you to understand. Let's stop blaming the child and let's shift that blame to the perpetrator. And let's allow justice to be served in the eyes of the law, L-A-W, and the eyes of the Lord, L-O-R-D. Thank you for listening to another episode of Can You Keep a Secret? I trust that the information has been useful to you. I believe that we all need knowledge and education. And when we have a better understanding of topics such as abuse, it enables us to better safeguard the children in our world. For a better understanding of the topics being covered each week, please reach out to me for a copy of my new book, Can You Keep a Secret?, You can follow me, message or email me so that I can answer your questions in upcoming episodes. We can all learn from one another. And this is an educational series that I hope will impact and change not just your life, but also that of the people around you. You can find all my contact details on my website, changingcases.org. That's changing C A S -S E S dot org. Remember to share this podcast with friends and family members. There are victims and survivors in your world, you just don't know it. But if we can all be educated, then the world can be a safer place. Please tune in next week for another episode. Can I trust you on my side? Because I want to talk about it. Girl. can you keep a secret?